How's everyone doing? Cool. Hey, um, can you grab your Bibles or grab your phones and turn to Luke 15? For those astute amongst you, you will realize that uh, two weeks ago, um, I preached out of Luke 15. But we're going to go to Luke 15, verse 8. And um, last uh, two weeks ago, I spoke on Luke 15, 1 to 7, which is a parable, one of three parables about a lost sheep. So Luke 15, uh, verse 8. And last time, I spoke from 1 to 7, and basically Luke 15 is three parables, one chapter, three decent parables about lostness in response to one question that was from the Pharisees. And this question essentially was, you'll find it in verse 1, was how come this guy, if he professes to be the son of Christ, a son of God, um, why is he hanging out with dirty, rotten sinners? Why is he hanging out with people who are a lower repute? repute? Yeah, is that a word? Did I make a word up? Yeah. Um, people of a lower standing. Why is he hanging out with tax collectors, moneylenders, and sinners? And so Jesus responds, like we talked about in uh, Luke 15, chapter 1 to, sorry, verse 1 to 8 uh, to 7, about the sheep. He talks about this thing, but then what Jesus does is he repeats himself two more times. Well, at least it seems like he repeats himself, right? How many people know that when Jesus tells basically the same story three times, that we should be paying attention to what he's trying to say? So I look at it and I go, cool, oh, you've already talked about this, Jesus. You talked about the lost thing. Now you're talking it about again. And if you know the scripture, you'll also know this is the um, lost son as well, the parable of the lost son that goes away, the prodigal son. So he tells it three times. Let's read it together. Verse 8. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Verse 9. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence um, in the, of the angels of, the, of God over one sinner who repents. So I look at that and I go, lost thing by someone this, someone finds the lost thing and is thankful, right? That's essentially the two stories we see in the lost sheep. The shepherd loses the sheep, finds the sheep, brings it back. In this story, we've got a woman who loses a coin, finds it and brings it back. Same thing, right? No. <laughs> there are some subtle differences. And when I think about this, I think, ah, Jesus, you're trying to um, unlock something, a, a different truth here. So he might have done it for that reason, but the other reason is he was trying to apply and appeal to many different people in the room, like now. So for some people who are aware of sheep and have a knowledge of sheep, and um, in that time everybody would have, it would have been a, a, a commodity of the community, he was talking about sheep. Then he talked about a coin, which everybody used. They didn't have PayWave back then. I know, it's like 1990 all over again. And they... They, they used coins. Everybody used coins. Everyone was, uh, was aware and familiar with what a coin was, what its purpose was, and what you could use it for. 
And then you'll know um, that he also talked about the sons. And everybody would have had, has probably had someone in their family or has been that person that has gone away from the family and might have come back or are still in that journey. So he used these three pictures to illustrate this point of lostness. You know, um, this coin, uh, it was called the drachma. And the, the drachma was a, a silver coin, and it was about a day's wage. So I was trying to think, roughly in the hand, in today's average thing, like $100, maybe $150 roughly. Um, so a decent amount of money. But the money is actually not what was important. Scholars believe that because they, uh, uh, Jesus said 10, 10 drachmas, it was a dowry. Because everybody would have known when Jesus told this story that 10 silver coins was what was given to a woman when she um, was married. And it was given to her by her bride's, uh, sorry, by her bridegroom's family. So the groom's family would pay the dowry to uh, the uh, bridegroom. I did the same uh, when I married Hannah. Um, so I gave Mike two chickens. Um, I didn't have access to like um, special like um, white alpacas or something of that kind of value. I only had chickens, so I gave him chickens. But there's that idea, right? You're worth more than two chickens to me now, Hannah. I love you. <laughs> I joke. <laughs> Some of the ladies are like, did he say now? Oh, my gosh. But there was this idea that um, you would wear... Your, your 10 coins as your dowry. You would either wear them woven into a sash that the woman would wear around, or they would wear them in their hair in like a little sash thing. And what that said is it was like an engagement ring, but on steroids. It was going into the markets. It was going wherever you'd go. And everybody would go, ah, that lady is spoken for. That lady is married. That lady is high of high uh, repute. Oh, I'm struggling with that word today. That woman is of value and worth because her uh, husband's family gave that to her and her family. And so she would walk around with a sense of pride. And she would go, I am valued. Look at me. I've got my dowry. And everybody would go, that is a trustworthy, good woman. Because if she was missing a coin, what would also sometimes happen is that the husband or the family would remove a coin if she was dishonest, disloyal, um, if she was of ill repute, if she had made some um, moral error or something like that, they would remove coins. Now with that in mind, does that change the story a little bit? If she's wearing these coins... And she's going out and suddenly you get why she is so excited. Like if I lose a coin, I'm not going to come around to your house and go, Nikki and Egg, I lost a coin, but I found it. And they're not going to go, woohoo, necessarily. Unless it was like a really special coin. But when, her, when she went to her family and said, I found this, what she said, I have restored my dignity. I have restored my self-worth. No one's going to think ill of me or my husband or my family now. So that is the reason that um, Jesus spoke to about because it, it had a real value about it. And here's the interesting thing. Um, this is all about getting married. This is all about a dowry. What did Jesus call the church? His bride. There is value. There's incredible value in people. 
And when you look at this story, essentially it's about lost and found, right? Lost and found. And throughout the Bible, you will find that lost and found is, um, is there. That well, I once was lost, but now I'm found. That great um, verse in that song. And we know that these people, these things, these items were highly valued because it said that like a person, there will be a celebration in heaven, right? And so celebration shows value. You go to a wedding because you value that person and you have a celebration. Someone gets born and you send them a card. Someone has a birthday, you celebrate with them. Celebration shows the value that we have as a society on that particular individual. I'm reminded from a year ago when Lyndon's brother Greg and um, Kath's brother-in-law Greg passed away, myself and a few others went to the funeral. Now, I'd met Greg a half a dozen times, so I knew him a little bit, but I went with a bunch of people who didn't know Greg at all. Now, when you sit or stand, in our case, in the sun for two hours, listening to dozens of people talk about how awesome this person is for hours, and there's over 800 people at the funeral, how many people know that that person, there's a celebration of that person's life, and they were of considerable value to them and to society? So, Jesus is reminding us of the value that we have. He's given us a sheep. He's given us a coin. He's given us a story of brothers. But it all comes back down to the innate uh, incarnate value that each of us has. Now, what I'm going to do today is I want you to turn to your person next to you and say, you're my buddy. Do it now. Say, you're my buddy. And if you haven't got a person next to you, go find a person and say, you're my buddy. Because soon I'm going to ask some questions, and I want you to turn to your buddy and go, you're my buddy, and then you guys are going to discuss the question. Is that okay? Cool? All right. Some people are really excited about their buddies. Luke 19.10 says, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. In 1912, when the Titanic didn't come back from its maiden voyage, there was a list of people who were on board. And post the accident, there was two more lists. On that one list was saved, right? And then on the other list was lost. Jesus is reminding us in this scripture that we have all, and we have all been lost. I know that there are people in the room today that are feeling lost, Maybe you haven't made a decision for Jesus and you're feeling that disconnect and you are feeling lost in this world. Maybe in your thinking, maybe in your response to people you feel lost. doesn't just have to be in that sense. You know, but lost can mean a lot of different things. When I say lost, what do you think? Anyone think of the TV show from the mid-2000s, Lost? It was terrible. It was cool to begin with and then it just, they went crazy. You know, um, and we are, all of us, there's a sense of lostness in the world, and we try and find lots of different ways to be found. You can talk to a lot of people, lots of different spiritual ways. You, you can try and be found with a group of people. You can try and find peace from pain through substance abuse. There's lots of different ways that people try and be found, but there is only one way 
There's only one way, the truth, and the life, and that is Jesus. You know, um, I'm reminded in about 2008, my boss um, bought us uh, staff um, a whole bunch of navmans. Do you remember when you used to have a separate device from your phone called a navman or a TomTom? Anyone remember those? And uh, mine was like, they were really expensive. They were about $1,200. And it was this big clunky thing. And you, you know, drove it down with your windows down so everyone could see your massive big clunky thing on the windscreen. You'd be like, yeah, that's right. Tom Tom, baby. Uh, anyone else? No? No, just me. Okay. But here's the problem with it. It would get you within 500 meters. Now, we laugh at that today. But at the time, it was like, do you know it can find you anywhere in the world within 500 meters? Which is great when you're driving along like a country road and it finds the road. And you, you know, you might, it might be a bit laggy, you might be up there or down there. But when I had to go to downtown Auckland, do you know how many roads there are within a 500 meter radius? And it didn't know where I was. And I was like, this isn't helpful. Now GPSs, they can get you within a few meters. It knows if you're walking. But there is lots of different things when I say lost. It could be annoying. Like we have lost our teeth, well we... It's our two-year-old daughter, Evie, has lost our TV remote. Jason, I believe you've lost your TV. Yeah, maybe they're living together, these two TV remotes somewhere. But we don't know where it's gone. It's just gone. And it's really annoying. What about dangerous lost? Uh, When I was um, dating Hannah and uh, she was living in Cambodia, we went and hung out and I went for a missions trip. um, And hey, I, I took missions trip kids, but I sometimes had to go and pray with Hannah. Um, so I'd go, and, I'd go and visit Hannah. I made it sound weird, didn't I? No. I'd, what's warm in here? Where's my mask? Um, no, so we would go and hang out, and we'd go hang out with her flat, and we'd watch DVD, we'd hang out. But in Cambodia, especially back then in Phnom Penh, it was pretty dangerous. And um, she said, oh, you've got to get back to your hotel. And I was like, yeah, it's about 11 at night. And she was like, it's pretty dangerous out there. And I was like, no, nah, it's all good, bro, because uh, I'm from Hamilton. And if anyone tries to step to me, I'll show them what's what. Yeah, like this. Um, something like that. And I said, like, no, I'll be fine. I'll just get a, uh, a tuk-tuk um, or I'll get a taxi there. And so I walk out in the middle of the night in one of the most dangerous cities in the world, walking around like this with my swagger. And um, eventually a guy comes to pick me up. And this is a long story. And I can tell you all the story sometime over uh, Subway, hint. Um, <clears throat> but uh, essentially, I got taken to uh, like these gang headquarters, and a motorbike gang tried to rob me and tried to steal my money, and then we had to escape, and we're riding through the city, and I'm lost. Um, and in the end, we had to like we made it back to the hotel, and the guards had machine guns out, and it was a crazy situation. So sometimes lost can be dangerous. Or sometimes lost can be stressful. Um, last year, Hannah, it was a Sunday morning, and Hannah said, oh, I'm going to uh, come and do worship. And I was like, cool, I've got the kids, no worries. It was just after lockdown. And um, I'm walking around, I'm getting the boys dressed, getting their shoes on, and I'm like, where's Evie? I had three children, now I have two. So I hunted around the house, looked here, looked there, nothing, calling out Evie. Then I got the boys helping. And um, like, how, who knows that moment when it goes from ha, ha, ha to <laughs> yeah, who's ever had that moment where you're like, <laughs> uh, and then I was like, okay, all right, I've got a fully fenced section. 
And I went down our long driveway. This is when we lived on George Street. And we had a fence across the front. This was to stop people attacking us during COVID. No, I don't know. We just had it across there so the kids could bike, ride bikes. And I walked up to the fence and I was like, there's no way a two-year-old could get through this fence. She's in the property. So I went back and for 20 minutes, running around the house going, Evie, Evie, and I'm starting to freak out. And the boys are freaking out. Lucas starts crying. And I can't find her. And then I hear a giggle. And oh, I needed Jesus in that moment. <laughs> and I went over there, and I was like standing like this, and I'm looking at the corner of this room, and I hear a giggle, and I'm like, she's in the walls. This is like a Matrix moment. They're in the walls. And I'm like, where is she? And then I realized below me is a, um, a doll's house, but a tiny doll's house. Like, you couldn't fit a two-year-old in there. You would think. And then I looked down, and in, on the second floor, in a space about this big, was my two-year-old like this for like 20 minutes. And I looked at her, and she goes, hiding. I was like, woo-hoo-hoo. Uh, um, sometimes loss can be stressful. And how many people know that proximity to the lost can be hard? When you know that the lost is in your house, or the lost is in your family, but you can't seem to connect with them, that can be really hard. My heart burns for those that have kids and spouses that are lost between them and God. But they're in your house. You're close, but it's stressful. You know, the sheep got lost because of its own foolishness, right? The sheep got up and walked away. It wandered away from the shepherd and the herd. But the coin is lost by the carelessness of another. Now, obviously not intentional, but it was lost by the carelessness of another. My question is, are we being careful with each other? Are we being loving and kind? You know, I I think about this time that we're in, and um, I've got to be honest. I'm seeing a lot of people who are not being loving and being kind. This message today, I hope you walk away with one clear point that you are valued, that God loves you, God would turn the world upside down and find you in that dollhouse if he could. He loves you. When we think of that value, do we apply that to others? Or do we go, they're not doing a very good job. They're this on my keyboard. They're that. Do we forget the innate value that people have as humans? I find it really helpful when I'm frustrated with someone to be reminded that that person is fearfully, wonderfully, beautifully made and is a son or a daughter of God, whether they know it or not. That reminds me and that shapes my thinking towards that person. And I go, that's right. You know, I've got to get over my own stuff here and be thinking and be thinking of that person in a positive light. I think it's our first question. Look at your buddy and go, it's buddy time. Just like that, please. How in our carelessness can we sometimes lose people? Maybe as the church, maybe as individuals. Have you seen that? You've got one minute to discuss. Um, if you're stressed out by this and you're like, I don't know, I'm, I'm just here today because I thought this was a, Zoom cl- a, a, a Zumba class. It's okay. The person next to you will help and talk to you. You've just got one minute. Why don't you have a talk about that? How in our carelessness can we sometimes lose people? Especially in a time like now. You can talk about COVID restrictions and that sort of stuff. Off you go. You've got one minute.
wrap it up. Thanks. Sorry, guys. You can continue that conversation in Kaituna Valley um, over Subway. Hey, can I just have a couple of volunteers really quickly? Can I please have Hannah? Uh, we'll go Lyndon and we'll go Warren. Can I have you guys out the front just really quickly? Keep your masks on. It's totally fine. What is this? There's a $2 coin. Everybody say $2. Do you remember when $2 would buy you a mean feed? No one? Yeah, like you could take this to KFC back in the 90s and I can't remember. I'm too old for that. What I'd like you to do, I, I, I want to ask the question, is, is this coin lost or found right now? Found. Is it $2? Like, is it $2 right this very second? Yes or no? Is it $2? Yes or no? But you can't see it. But it's in my hand. What I want to do is I'm going to put this $2 coin here. One of you are going to choose to grab it amongst yourselves and put it behind your back. And I'm going to ask a question. Go. You guys choose. I'm not looking. I'm going to make eye contact with Bevan. He's going to keep me accountable that I'm not cheating. Has someone chosen? Oh, Lyndon looks guilty, doesn't he? <laughs> Look at him. He's all red. Uh, Lyndon, do you have it? No. Okay, here's the question. Right now, to me, that coin is lost, correct? I don't know who, where it is. I literally, I mean, I got a 50% chance of guessing it right. Is the value of that coin still there? But it's lost. I don't have it. Right? That coin is still valuable whether it's in the hands of the owner or not. Can I have my $2 back now, please? I'm going to guess Warren. Oh, my sneaky wife. There we go. Give him a little round of applause. Yeah, you're done. You're done. My point is this, is that no matter where you are on your God journey or where you have been, God designed you with an innate value. And whether you know God or you're following God in its full capacity or not, you have a value whether you are found or lost. That value is still there because God stamped it. This is how God sees the lost and the found valuable. But why? It's because the coin is lost. Is it valued any less? No. And the reason for that is that coin is imprinted with an image that is backed by something significant. You as a human being are imprinted and backed by the uncreated creator, and you are significant. A lot of you know this. Some of you don't. But if we, if we try and remember that when we're dealing with people in tough times, that is a game changer, that they are valued and significant no matter what. Because as humans, we love to go, yeah, you're up here, you're there, you're on this side of the line, you're on this side. You're this, you're that. You know, the other thing about a coin, within reason, is you can't really take away the value of the coin. No matter the circumstance it goes through, it doesn't really matter. Anyone put a coin through the wash? No one? Yeah. Is it worth any less at the other end? Still a coin. 
If I take this $2 coin, if I take this $2 coin and I put it here, everybody say $2. If I drop it, how much is it worth? I tried to walk in today really smiley with a hammer to try and make it less creepy. I think I got more creepy when I walked in like this. How much is this coin worth? How much is it worth? How much is it worth? Okay, right, you've gone through, you've gone under the hammer. You've been through the pressure. What about if... Anyone been through the fire in their life? Anyone been through the refining fire? You've been through drama. You've been through the rubbish. You've been through the furnace, right? How much is this coin worth? Still $2. What about... Anyone ever felt like they're drowning, right? They're just completely submersed by circumstances that seem impossible. How much is the coin worth? I should have thought this. How many other people use their masks for things that are not for masks? Anyone else? You're like, oh, I see that smudge on my car. Wipe that down. Not with it on your face, because that would be weird. But. How many people have had labels written on them? Unloved. Unworthy. Too far gone. Two-faced, <laughs> that's right. How much is this coin worth? Your circumstances do not define you. Your value is in who God has made you. Now, you might come up against another $2 coin and be like, bro, did you get hit with a hammer? You'd be like, yeah, I did, but I made it through. Why have you got a black stain on there? I went in a fire once but I'm all right. I still have my value. Can you be reminded, those people in your life that seem impossible, that have gone through all of this, God loves them so much. They have a value. Look at your buddy and say, it's buddy time. This is an intrinsic value. I want to ask you the question, why is it important for us to realize this intrinsic value? Why is it important to realize that it doesn't matter who we are, where we've been, or if we're in the right group, or if we're in the right sector, or if we're Pharisees, or just an average, why does it not matter? You've got one minute to t- discuss that with a person. Go. Why was Jesus drawing this picture? It doesn't matter what your coin has been through. I just sprayed this one with hand sanitizer. It is still valuable. Does anyone want my $2 coin? I see that hand, Connor. I'm going to attempt to throw it to you, and you're going to catch it like this while the wind's blowing and catches you in the air, like in the hair, and you look awesome. It's like a real movie moment. Are you ready? Because if this doesn't work, we're in trouble. Ah, look at that. Sometimes someone reaches in and grabs it from you. The, The coin is still valuable no matter what it's been through. You know, this verse, it continues, it says, doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? We light the lamp for the lost. And this was Jesus. Remember who's speaking. 
lighting the way for us all. I loved this picture because I kind of was thinking about this morning. I was praying about it, and I thought, it's kind of like the Trinity. If you imagine this owner of the coin loves this coin, manufactured this coin, designed this coin, loves it. The coin is lost. Then they use a, a broom, Scripture says. And I was thinking, you know, I'm, I, I like to kind of push this stuff quite fast. It won't be everyone's cup of tea. But I was like, oh, man, that's almost like the Holy Spirit. It's a connection between us and, and God and is the counselor, the cleaner, the, the restorer. It's the one that we deal with and, and God uses to clear some stuff off our lives. And then the lamp comes and lights a lamp and that lamp is the light of Jesus. And I thought, oh, I love that picture of the whole Trinity of God chasing after us, working together to see the lost saved. And if you are already saved, to see the saved coin in its place around the neck or on the head, in its full form. You know, coins are kind of neutral. Coins are not necessarily bad or good. Right? They're just, it's just a piece of metal. It's just a coin. But you can take that coin, and I could go buy drugs and alcohol with it. I could go gamble with it. I could go hire a hitman. Maybe in Cambodia with $2. (laughs) Money goes a long way there. (laughs) But I could do a lot of things, a lot of bad things with that coin, or I could choose to do a lot of good things with that coin. And when you think about a coin like us being our resources and our time and our effort, it's an interesting question to ask. Because a coin, simply, all it does is it brings change. Because it either brings you a new thing, or brings you a new food, or brings you a new experience, it brings change and impact to your life. How are we spending our lives? Are we bringing change and are we bringing impact? My third question, what are some ways in which we can negatively impact others during this time of COVID? I am pushing this towards the situation we're in. Because I'm having the conversations with many of you, and it's a tough, tough time. And I think the more we can realize that we are called to love and to hold each other up of value, I think it's really, really important. So what are some ways in which we can negatively impact others during COVID? You've got 45 seconds. Off you go. Turn to your buddy and say, let's do this. How are you spending your words, your love, all right, 10 seconds. All right. Five, four, three, two, one. You know what blows my mind about this scripture? You've got first century Israel that's all about levels and hierarchy and systems and things you've got to go through. Jesus called these Pharisees, he said, suppose you are a shepherd. And if you were here the other week, you would have known that calling someone a shepherd, especially a Pharisee, was a bit of an insult. And in the time, what would have been even worse than a, um, uh, a shepherd? A woman. Not my viewpoint, okay? He says, or a woman. As he says, suppose you are, and then he says, or a woman. And so they would have been very offended. But how many, I love the idea that Jesus, 
God himself is referring to himself as a woman who's lost a coin, a housewife that's sweeping up and cleaning up her house. How cool a picture is that? That Jesus is going, oh, I could be like this, or I could be like that. And my question for you is, in that context, question number four, why is this a helpful image for us to consider? That that Jesus talks to, he refers to himself as, suppose I'm like a woman who's lost the coin and hunting after that coin. Why is that important? It does have something to do with that value. You've got 30 seconds. Right. Look at your buddy and answer. Go. The picture of the woman. Why is that helpful? All right. Scripture says she lit a candle, she grabbed a broom, and she searched. Jesus wanted the Pharisees to hear this. Everybody is of intrinsic and high value. And you who are listening to this today, you are of high value. And these sinners that I'm meeting with and I'm connecting with, they are as valuable as you are. This whole idea was upside down to what they had always done. Jesus is about relationship, not about religion. They had built religion. So these three stories are pointing, pointing, pointing. You got it wrong, guys. You're all about religion, whereas I'm about relationship. Jesus came to be the light of the world, the true light that gives light to every man, John 1 verse 9. And Jesus provides the light for sinners to be found in God. You know, these stories, they explain the character and the nature of God. Can I have the worship team up? And I've got some questions for you as an individual. When we understand, just two questions. When we understand the value of people, thanks team, cheers. When we understand the value of people, it should and will change our perspective. Has anyone ever dealt with someone that you're like, I just cannot with that person? Anyone? It's good to remember that that person deserves and needs your grace, love, commitment, and faith. So as we ponder for a moment, the worship team are going to play something beautiful for us. Thanks, team. And um, I want you to ponder yourself with this question. Where have you thought less of someone? And that God might be talking to you about how you can be reminded that that person is loved, valued, and ask God to give his heart for them, for you. So I want you to take a moment, search through your life, and think about it. Is there someone that you you are not holding the same value to? That God designed, God built, God loved. Is there someone that you go, oh, you know what, God, I do need some help with that person. Can you close your eyes? Can you take 10 seconds just to think that through? Is there someone that I'm thinking less of? Holy Spirit, in this crazy time, in this moving time, we pray 
that you would reveal your heart for that person to us, the individual. Break our heart for that person. Remind us that they are great. They might be drawn on. They might be banged up with a nail. But they are valued. Now ask, Holy Spirit, what do you need me to do? God, what do you want me to do about this situation? And if you've got a pen or a phone and you want to write that down, it's a good idea. God speaks to you, you should write it down. Moses did. Where have you thought less of someone? Second question is simply this. Where have you thought less of yourself? You are your biggest critic. You are your hardest judge. Sometimes you're throwing yourself up against the hammer. Where do you need to give yourself a little break? Where do you need to give yourself some rest? Where do you need to give yourself some grace? Two questions. Is there someone I'm not valuing? And is there something in my own life I am not valuing? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we don't want to do anything fancy. We just want you to work, Jesus. My prayer is that there is something, there's one point, there's one action point for you today. This person is valuable. I am valuable. Can I just say, your words are powerful. A lot of you are lovely people and you wouldn't say half the stuff you say about yourself to someone else. You are God's. Fearfully, wonderfully, beautifully made. You're not perfect. Can you work on your language to yourself, I wonder? I can't. I'm terrible. I'm bad at this. I suck at that. I'm a bad husband. Perhaps we could work on that. Can we stand? Let's remember in this time where we want to draw division and lines and us and them. Jesus, would you just remind us that we are all made and manufactured and designed by you and we all hold value. Let us not fall into temptation of the enemy that would want to bring disvalue and disunity. Jesus, remind us, Holy Spirit, remind us daily that we are together, that we are valued. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope that there's one thing that you can walk away from today. I just want to leave it with, if there's anyone here today that you've never heard that story, that God is chasing after you, we would love to pray for you. If you want to connect with God, it doesn't have to be some special, amazing thing. I'd love to pray for you. We've got pastors and prayer people here. Please come up and have a chat to us, either through the song, the last song that we're about to do, or just quietly come up. We'd love to pray for you, talk to you about what it is to be found in the hands of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, worship team.